I don't wanna go to work I just wanna chill and play All day Look him dead in the face and say I wish I could just be still asleep while you were Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jobs Blow podcast with Brianna and Josh. The podcast for dreamers with day jobs. We are so glad to be back here in New York City at the Comic Strip Live for yet another episode. Yes, and while we're and remember, while this podcast was born out of Josh and I's frustrations, we're here to inspire those of you who are pursuing your dream jobs as we pursue ours. That's true. How you doing, Brianna? I'm doing really well. How are you, Josh? I'm good. I'm tired. It's hot. It is hot. It is August hot. Yes, but this might City. be airing in September. That's so. a good point. It's cooler now. Now it's cooler. How about that fall weather? It's so lovely. It's like humid. It's the humidity. This is our humid month. Like, you know, if they were going to do a history of the world 200,000 years from now, and then in August in New York City, it would get balls hot humid. I think Ju- July and August are pretty uh, brutal. Maybe. I, I, don't I know. Could, as Having been pregnant, really big and pregnant in those months, yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I oh. was big and pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you know what? We're going to cut our little BS at the top here, usually, because we have a super special guest, a super special friend who came and hung out. Josh was a little late today, and he hung out the entire time. He did. He did. Uh, you want to do the introduction? You do, you're better at the introduction. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, the yeah. name of today's show is, is A Career He Didn't Dream Of. Mm. And our guest is, there are so many ways that I could describe him, but I'm just going to go with two-time Tony Award-winning actor, singer, and guitarist, Michael Cerverus. Did I say your last name okay? You did. Oh, you my did. God. You don't know the stress I've been under with that name. <laughs> I really, P. Diddy gave him the Tony and said Cerverus. Wait, uh, Cerverus, I think, yeah. Cerverus. Yeah. I feel like that's what you get the most, right? Would that yeah. be the yeah, most common mistake? Yeah, I think... And and I have friends who I have known for a long time who will tell people who are pronouncing it correctly as Cerverus that they're like, no, no, he's a friend of mine. It's Severus. Trust me. I'm like, yeah, no, we've known each other for a long time. You still don't have my name right. <laughs> but you know what it's I think about Cerverus? Severus throws an A in there, well, too, but it also, which doesn't even have an A in it. it but right. it feels more, it feels really powerful. And I feel like, Severis. yes. And I just feel like that goes with like your personality, you know, like, I don't well, know, two time was... Tony Award winning <laughs> actor. <laughs> it's, well, I think the problem is it is comes from my family's original Italian name. My grandfather, uh, it was Cevarizzo and spelled the same C E R V E R I and then Z Z O. And when he got out of the the army, the American army, his you could change your name without a lot of hassle. And his buddies in the army convinced him that he'd have an easier time getting a job with uh, without a vowel at the end of his name. You know, emphasizing his immigrantness. So he dropped the ZZO off and put an S on, like that was going to make it like Jackson. You know, or like, <laughs> that's funny. And this only made it more confusing. It looks. I mean, I had somebody come up to me once. Uh, after after Tommy right. from the Greek American Appreciation Society, like so proud to have a Greek American on Broadway, and you know wanted to welcome me to <laughs> I the was organization. Say it's, it's, like, Greek, right? it's like I'm really honored, but I'm not even a little bit Greek. But <laughs> oh know. my god, that's hilarious! That's yeah. Well, I wish someone would have talked to my dad uh, leaving the army and said, "Oh, Hyman, why don't you change that name <laughs> to anything else? How about Severus? That would have worked well for us. Well, it's like, free. It's available. Did, did you ever think about changing the spelling? Because it's Sir S E R Severus would have maybe help? Did you ever think about I, that? I didn't, but I had an uncle who actually did change it to, because another version that that I get sometimes is service. Um, so service. He, so they, yeah. he changed it to C-E-R-V-I-S. Um, C-E-R-V-I-S, right. And, uh, and I don't know that that really, I mean, I guess there's sort of that probably doesn't get mixed up. Well, then as you get much. closer to cervix, at which point yeah. you're back. Right to now you're with Hyman. I was thinking the same thing. This is a whole. This is an Just anatomy stay in your show, lane, guys. And, and he lane. was an oral surgeon, so that would have been very <laughs> confusing. There you so. go. And the Jobs Blow podcast. <laughs> and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Michael is here today because a few weeks ago, on just by chance, I just. Dis- found an old photo of us from 1993. This date, this predates Jack's birth, FYI. Get out of here. Yes. So I met Michael at a holiday um, party for BMG. Wow. He was there because he just started 
um, playing Tommy on Broadway. And an uh, AP photographer who was hanging out right. was like, you should meet this guy. He's on, he's Tommy on Broadway. Threw me in a picture with her, with him. And as I was saying to Michael before, this was pre-like texting photos. Right. This guy actually mailed me this picture <laughs> at a later date. So we should have him next on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, according exactly. to Michael, he's still around. He's I mean, still, the guy yeah, was like in his 60s back photos. then. Yeah. So wow. Plus he's got to be in his 80s. So what the real lesson here is that if we contact you because we've had some kind of interaction with you before, please answer us and be on the right. podcast. Well, so wait, did uh, I say FYI, that FYI, Debbie this? Gibson, would you just answer, right. please, already? So did I mention that I tweeted? that photo. Did you really? I, did I, oh, I is tweeted that, it at, at oh, Michael, and I said, it looks like you've done really well for yourself these past 25 years. And I wasn't sure he would respond, and he responded at, to my at Jobs Blow when I had sent it from my personal, and there I was you like, well, you started this now. Come on my show, please. And well, here he is. There it is. And we to have a New York actor, uh, an actor in general who has had a long career, it is um, it is definitely an honor for us. It also is uh, along the lines of the Job Below podcast, which is to show that you know pursuing that dream for over a, a long period of time can happen. Right. Uh, some of our guests have been pursuing dreams, but it's only been a couple of years. Or like you know Tracy was only a couple like one year, mm -hmm. right, a couple of months. So you know that we're glad to have you on here in that respect too. Cool. And we'd love to hear your story. Right. And just. Um, playing off the name because I did name it a career he didn't dream of because of something you had said. Right. So can you just kind of expand say it on again. it? Well, no, just like why? Yeah, why you, you said that. that? Well, because I, I kind of you know I grew up um, in a in an artistic household and and in a lot of ways it kind of makes perfect sense that I've ended up doing the kind of things that I have, but. To me, it wasn't like I didn't have that dream that every kid has of being on Broadway. And, you know, I, I watched the Tony Awards as a kid growing right. up, but I never watched them thinking, oh, one day I'll be there. It just was like a thing that I did. Like Little League was a thing that I did. Right. And at a certain point, I stopped doing baseball and started doing more theater. But I still, I spent the longest time searching for what I was going to do when I went to college I went to a college that had a good theater program, but I specifically didn't go to a college that was just, uh, you know, like NYU, where I was only going to do mm -hmm. acting, because I felt like I'm still, you know, I've always done it, but I'm not sure that that's what I want to do. So I'd spent my time looking for, for you know, what that was. Um, and, and you grew up in a very artistic household. Yeah, I did. I'm not, you know, not theatrical. My dad was a a uh, classical musician, pianist, mm -hmm. and uh, my mom was a modern dancer, and they met at Juilliard, and, oh. you know, then he, they both decided not to have performing careers and started a family. My dad went into um, uh, academia and mm -hmm. taught at universities, and um, and my mom continued to, te to teach for a while, too. Um, but I had an idea of what an artistic life was, and and the fact that they had chosen not to to pursue performing careers also, you know, I think affected me. And I, I had a healthy regard for what it is to try to have a career as an artist and right. how challenging it is and how difficult it is and the sacrifices you have to make, which is probably part of why I was kind of slow to say, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. But I think, I think when I said that it was, you know, a career that I never dreamed of, I think in addition to that, I was also talking about um, the kind of career it's been and the kinds of jobs that I've done and the kinds of roles that I've gotten to do. And um, when I look backwards, I can trace how I got to this thing from that and this experience led me to this and this opportunity led me to that. But looking at it from from the you know, the other side of it, like looking at my career in the future, I could never, I just didn't have the imagination to imagine a six, career like what six Tony nominations and two wins. That, yeah, that's, and I yeah. didn't have that. Did, did you, were you looked at either in, at, did you look at yourself this way or did other people look at you as this guy is so super talented at a young age that you like, you knew you were good at it and you just weren't sure you wanted to do it? Or was it something you, you kind of, you know, had to work to become, you know, great at for yourself no your i i always 
and and it's not a past tense thing. Like I have always doubted myself and questioned myself and and my and my fear that I, you know, didn't have what it took, I think has been half of what was the motivation to keep me going. I do remember having a teacher in a summer program at North Carolina School of the Arts who said who told me I didn't have enough ambition to make it as an actor. And the thing was, I agreed with him because I didn't, I didn't, and I feel like I've succeeded in spite of myself so much of the time. What age was that? This was in like, it must have been high school or junior high. Josh, doesn't doesn't that remind you of what Matt, the chef, said? Yeah. That he said the same thing. Like, he just kind of kept going and, you know, he kept falling into it kind of you know mentors and yeah i think i think that's been my experience a lot and and you know i i didn't like i said i i wasn't one of those kids who was like you know i just i love the theater and i you know dream of a career as an actor and i mean i did and i kept putting one foot in front of the other and you know going forward and not giving up despite being awfully close to it you know, any number of times and yeah. feeling like every job that ends is the last job I'll right. ever have. How am like, I, I still get feel one? like that. Yeah. Like I'm going to, sooner or later, they're going to figure this out and stop hiring me. So, or, you know. or you like, you go out for something and you're like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go out. If they just, they don't want me, they don't want me. And then that's it. I'm done. And then yeah. they want you. Right. And you're like, okay, well, I'll no, do this no, no, job. I'll do this one. I'll do this yeah. job. All right. So yeah. we're going to go into HR questions. Yes. So, Michael, what is your current job title? And you can tell us about your latest project. Um, or any, give us a little, a couple of highlights so that everybody... Along, um, along the way. Anything. Um, well, I guess my current job title is um, uh, television actor. My most, my most current job title is uh, uh, streaming service <laughs> actor uh, on on Mindhunter uh, oh. on Netflix David Fincher's Mindhunter which is um, a fabulous show if it, you have not seen it definitely um, marathon season 1 yeah yeah, August sixteenth. Yeah, which so, will be in the past. Will be, be in the past. Yeah. Maybe I, I haven't seen it yet, but Brianna's text at two in the morning that I should be watching it <laughs> are super motivating. Yeah, and and two o'clock in the morning is the best time to watch <laughs> yes, it too, because definitely. then you won't you can binge the whole thing because you won't be able to sleep. That's so. the only time I have to watch television <laughs> yeah, me these too. days. And and I always end up watching like the worst thing to be watching at two o'clock in the <laughs> I morning. I had too. a whole slate of stuff to watch the other night, and I watched two hours of NBC Dateline about some murder. <laughs> um, Oh, about no. people that I've never heard no, of and no. will never think about it. Those, those yeah. Dateline, they'll get you, though. They'll yeah. get you. Mindhunter is Mindhunter. essentially a Dateline. It is, yeah. Right, 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 brought right, right, to right. life. Yeah. And and it's, you know, based on historical fact. It's based on the, the guys who, uh, John Douglas, who wrote the book that it's based on, um, created the um, FBI's behavioral science unit. And, okay. you know, they they coined the term serial killer to describe, you know, the people that they were studying and, wow. and learning from. And, and this new season is going to be, uh, uh, focuses a lot on the Atlanta child murders, um, which is, which always uh, freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. And which I think I'm, I'm anticipating and hoping that it's going to bring a lot of attention to that. That case was never that, solved. was Well, it? I mean, uh, technically it was officially it was, mm. but I think it's become clear that it wasn't entirely solved. Wow. Like he, uh, Wayne Williams probably killed some people, but not not all of them. Not all of them. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, give us some just real quick. So, Tommy, you won for Tommy. Yeah. No, no. I didn't. Oh, I didn't you know, win. I'm sorry. That was, but he got nominated right out of the gate. Right. Yeah. My my first time on Broadway was Tommy, and uh, and I was nominated then. Didn't win. And and I've said a number of times. I think that was probably the best thing that could have happened because I immediately after all of the hubbub and the dizzying kind of distractingness of that i i was disappointed probably for i don't know like 30 seconds to a minute standing in the wings backstage um (laughs) because of the way when the category was in the night and when our performance was our performance uh was right before my category right so there was no time to go back out into the to the seats again and put my tuxedo on and stuff right so i was standing backstage 
in costume, but I was determined, I was wearing a wig in the show, and I was determined not to, if I was going to get this award, I didn't want to go out and be on national television, like, wearing this wig and being this character, so... So we had this whole thing worked out, and the the um, costume people and wig people like took the wig off really quickly. I threw on a different shirt. I was going to leave the white jeans on because it was too long to take my pants off. And um, and something happened, and the wig got caught in the mic cord, and they couldn't get it out. And so when they're doing the flashes of you know when they read the nominees' oh, names geez. and they you know they show the pictures and and I was standing backstage along with Paul Candell who I was in the show with he played Uncle Ernie because he was nominated also um, so the two of us are backstage and and I'm standing there knowing that my wig is ha- is hanging from a wire down behind my back and if my only real thought at that moment was if my, they call my name. I'm going to have to, like, walk out there with this rat hanging behind my back. But that's rock and roll, baby, but, right? Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, they're all on the radio. They're like, give it to someone else. Give it to someone else. Yeah, anybody, He's a hot mess back here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, he doesn't was, need it his first time out. That was when I met him. So it was 94. 94. 94. Right? Well, that was 93, I guess. That. So if you opened in April of 93, by June, you were already nominated and at well, the that's. Tony? I mean, that's the reason why... You notice the the second and third weeks of April are just chock a block with shows opening because they all want to open at the last possible minute to qualify for the Tonys so that they don't have to run for a long time before the, and they they're on everybody's minds and then yeah the the shows open in like the third week of April the the nominations come out like at the end of April or beginning of May and then right. the awards are so it's like a four like, week audition based for the yeah. Pretty wow. much. So we opened Drunk Shakespeare at the end of March. Uh, so we're five. We're still waiting for our Tony nominations. It's been five right. years. I, um, you know, sometimes it could come. It, t- it takes a while could to process it. the applications. Yeah, well, you know what it is. And speaking of, so you've been in ten shows, right? Ten Broadway shows. Ten yeah. Broadway shows. Six nominations. Yeah. Amazing. So your first show, you were nominated. Mm-hmm. What about the second show? Uh, yeah, the second show was Assassins, and I was nominated for that. So wait, you went from 93 to 2004? Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Were you um, doing uh, uh, oh, something else? Oh, no. Actually, you know what? I did, another, I did another Broadway show in between. I did Titanic, but I wasn't oh. nominated for that. Okay. okay. So Tommy was, was one. You got nominated. You didn't get nominated for Titanic. Then Assassins, you were nominated and won your first Tony. Yes. Yeah. And then what was next for um, the fourth? Uh, the next nomination was, um, I guess, Amazing. Love Music, possibly. Um, uh, was that before Sweeney Todd? You were nominated for Sweeney Todd. I was nominated too? for Sweeney Todd. Um, I was nominated for Love Music, which is about um, how that was when I got to work with Hal Prince. Um, uh, it's about right. Kurt Vile and Lotalenia. Um, and. I was nominated for um, how many is that? Four, five. That's that's five, um, and then Fun Home, which you won. Yeah. So that was your right. second. Yeah. And that's the last show you've. That's the yeah. That's the last, the last Broadway show I've done. Okay. Fun Home. All right. And you know, maybe the last Broadway show I'll you ever see? do. He's like, yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's the last one. And then Mindhunter. They figured me out. And then if you check out um, Michael's IMDb, too, it's just like chock full listed of just every show, so many different appearances and movies. It's just it's uh, it's a full career. I mean, it it's busy. It feels busy. Did it feel busy? Yeah. Yeah. It felt busy, especially the the theatrical stuff, because, you know, when you're doing a, a run of a Broadway show, you're doing you're working six days a week doing eight performances in those right. six days you get one day a week off for if you're lucky years at a time and um and then you know when you're doing tv and film stuff it's strange it's i mean it's hard work but it's an entirely different kind of hard work right. and i'll sometimes be on a set and someone will say you know wow that was such a that was you know a long day and you can have 14 16 hour sure. days sure you know um, but somehow the work is like, yeah, try doing eight shows a week. Yeah. Like that. No, emotionally, I think that has to just suck the just life re- out of you, especially when you're playing eating, an assassin. You know, or well, yeah, the kinds of roles I tend to get are the sort of you know, 
allow me to disembowel myself yes. for you. Tired, and, I mean, yeah. Right. wow. Yeah, it kind of. Well, can I ask you a question like that, it. just in regards to long runs of contracts? Yeah. So, you, it, whether you're, I mean, I assume this is a big assumption on purpose, but you're one of the leads of a show, um, and do. Do they give you the freedom to say, okay, I'm going to take a break to take a TV role or a movie role and come back and keep doing it and an understudy will take it on? Or is it the kind of thing where like, okay, if you're leaving, we're moving on to the next guy? It's, uh, it depends. It, I mean, contractually, you know, union-wise, everybody gets one week every six months vacation time. Right. Um, and some people can have things worked into their contracts Um that allow you to take time off to do other stuff. Okay. Um, I think it has, it depends on when in the run you are. Like if you've already done a year or two years, right. then I think you can start to build in more freedom to, to do that kind of do thing. Um, it can also be, it can depend on, in some ways, the more important you are to the production, like the bigger your, your part is, right. the harder it is for them to let you go do other stuff because people are, in theory, coming to see you right. or, or, you know, it's funny, people may not know you, may not have really been coming to see you, but when they learn that the regular person isn't on, they, they, yeah. you know, they get upset thinking, oh, I'm getting the, you know, the second tier thing, <laughs> which is not true at all. No. And they don't know or care because they don't know you any more than they right. know your understudy. No, but you but, have, you, know. you have to admit when you go to a Broadway show right. and you get those little pieces of paper and you're like, oh, damn, oh. what's this going to be? Yeah. <laughs> just and one time I'd like, like to print wow. out 10,000 of those that say my name and just, uh, uh, just shove them into them in. all the things. So, Michael, I'd back to the HR questions. Yes. So I know you said it's a career that you couldn't, you didn't dream of. Is this your dream career? Um, or what was a dream? Was there a dream of something else along the way? Ever? Well, I mean, there were jobs that I, you know, imagined having. I think, I mean, when I was really little, I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be a truck driver, and I think that that alarmed them. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was probably on a long trip when we were sitting in the back of the station, preparing wagon. you for your serial killer roles. <laughs> exactly. He watched a lot of uh, Stallone over the top. No, BJ <laughs> and the Bear, baby. <laughs> Convoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, or what was the um, Clint Eastwood and his his orangutan? Oh, that oh. was cannibal. Was that cannibal? Every which way but loose. Oh, Every which way but loose. Yeah. Yeah. Right, loose. Don't yeah. don't mess with me in eighties trivia. I got you. <laughs> do not. Yeah, we know. Um, um, no, but I did actually. I do remember at one time really thinking I love Jacques Cousteau. You know, we used to watch those those <laughs> right. specials all the time, and I thought that's. I think that's what I want to do. I want to like you know hang out with Jacques Cousteau, and. Then I realized, well, what I really want to do, I think, is just go swimming with whales and, and, <laughs> and do that kind of I don't want to do all the biology and science that it's going to be necessary for me to become an oceanographer. And then I realized John Denver got to go on the Calypso <laughs> and write a song about it and, you know, and be on episodes. And he got to swim with the dolphins and stuff. So I thought maybe the thing to do is try to be like a John famous Denver. actor or right. musician and, and then, then, get I'll get the the, then get all the free Was ride. that part Pro of the John Denver show? Because remember, he had a talk, he had like a maybe, variety yeah, show. I, I, I felt like he went on a Jacques Cousteau <laughs> expedition. Okay. But. Growing up, I wanted to be a marine biologist and yeah. a dolphin trainer. So I'm just hoping that I continue to grow up to be you. Is, uh, <laughs> what I'm hoping uh, could it be. Could happen. It, it could can happen. It could happen. It could happen. So there is. Uh, there's another question that we ask okay. um, that you can answer in any way you want. It's uh, tell us a job that blew. It could be a specific job or a moment at a job um, or a person who just made it bad. Suck. Well, I mean, I had I had some really weird. You know, I'm sure you guys can relate. The weird jobs when I was starting out and just got to New York. Right. I had a job um, that didn't. From where? From, uh, New York, I, from I grew up in West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, and I came here after college, and I had, you know, I did the rounds of working in, you know, every restaurant in the Upper East Side and, you know, places with names like. It's good like, to be back. It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, cockeyed clams is no longer here. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, good old. I, would not, I, would, I, I don't think I'd eat a clam from cockeyed clams. <laughs> yeah, it's not really no. you know, selling mm, themselves. Nothing like an 82nd Street cockeyed <laughs> clam. Yeah. Yowza. And, but I used, to get, I used to get really panicky at some of these jobs. I don't think I was a terribly good waiter. And, and I would 
just like freak myself out thinking I can't do this job forever. I, I, this can't be my life. I can't do this. And I would like quit and then have to get a job again and just find another crappy restaurant to be in. I did work in some good ones and some nice ones, but, um, what did you like? What was the thing that you liked least the customer service part of it or like just, I think it was the food delivery. It was the stress of like having things that I just thought I was going to get wrong all the time. Like, you know, mixing up an order or, or, you know, spilling stuff or forgetting things. And, and I wasn't able to just relax. I think now, I actually think now I would enjoy being, I had, I said this to a friend of mine recently and they were like, you would not be a good waiter. <laughs> like, no, I think I'd be really good. I'd be like really, you know, yeah. you know, just sociable. Now you're and just like romanticizing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. You want to talk to people about why they <laughs> yeah, want the eggplant part. Exactly. <laughs> Share funny. the experience with them. That's funny. Um, but I, I had some other weird jobs in that time too. I, I remember one bizarre job i don't know that it blew exactly but it was weird it was a time when not every xerox machine did collating and so the job was just collating and i was in this room in some kind of sub sub basement with like three other actor comedian musician people and we were surrounding this table that had like 15 stacks about three feet high of single sheet paper. And our job was just to walk around in a circle and take one page off the top of each thing. That's essentially entry-level PR work that you're describing. Really? That oh, it God. still exists? Yeah. Wow. I mean, not as much when we did press kits when, you know, there was yeah. a lot of paper involved, more so than I think now. Did, did yeah. you write that uh, on a resume? I, I have the skill of collating. Well, you know, like any, <laughs> any resume, any resume, it's like prepared communication yeah. for right. distribution. Type 70 words yeah. a minute, yeah. collate yeah. 400 packages. Yeah. Exactly. You try not to use words like collate, collaborate, <laughs> liaison. Liaise. Liaise. Um, well, that must have been a fun basement. Comics, musicians. Right. Did actors. any of them? Yeah, it was Do we cool. know, we Are just, any of them Tony nominated no, no, or Oscar winners? I wonder. You know, I, don't, I don't think I knew them then and oh, okay. I don't know them now. So this is what, the next p- kind of part of all this is we want to know like your, your kind of evolution. Well, well like, I, can, oh, yeah. I can tell you one job that really... Oh, oh wait, want the we want to know Sorry, that. Yeah. Backtrack. Is, Make Josh my, and I feel better. This is yes, one of my most, my most embarrassing job experiences. Um, I got a job through a friend in, um, at Morgan Stanley, I think it was, the you know, big investment firm. And it was... It could have been a great job. It was doing the breakfast, the executive, you know, breakfast service. So it meant getting up really early, which was hard for somebody <laughs> trying to do stage acting. Um, but uh, and you had to go. There was a uniform, and you basically just sort of prepared the um, the morning breakfast service room, and then delivered uh, danishes and coffees to the you know boardrooms for for breakfast meetings right. um, and then you're done by like 11 in the morning mm-hmm. so you'd had your day's work and you had the rest of your day free to audition because that was always the challenge like how do you keep a job that you can still audition and if you get right. an acting job you can still do it at night without right. having to quit your day job right um, so this seemed like it was going to be a dream job and this guy you know happened to know that they had had an opening and he vouched for me so i come in and the first day is kind of my training and actual first day of work right. all at once. They give me a uniform because you have to have a uniform, but it's not my size. It's just the only uniform they have available. So I'm like, no, Too I'm big. swimming in it. Oh, jeez. And, and my hair was down to my shoulders at the time, and they're like, mm, we'll address that later. And <laughs> so, If they could see you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I go and I start in the, you know, it's interesting and weird because the corporate environment i knew people that had i graduated with who went into the corporate world at that level and were making like forty thousand dollars their first year out of school but were working 18 hours a day and you know and which of course for jack he's like forty thousand that's terrible but back then we were like i won forty i didn't even know what you could count that high i didn't know that was a number yeah yeah, back then. To be honest, I'd now. still take 40000 <laughs> I, I don't know what we're... I would take it, too. What are we talking about? Yeah, we're, we're kidding. So 
So it was all fine, but it was fascinating because it was like these are the guys. They they want everything had to be exactly the same. Like they, literally, the newspapers had to be lined up within like a, a fraction of an inch of each other, and there were cigarette because this was you know the eighties. There were cigarette cases, like crystal cigarette cases, but you had to wear gloves to polish them because you couldn't leave any finger marks on were them. Were there lines of cocaine just because it there was the 80s? There must have been. <laughs> I, you know, I, maybe I would have learned that on the second day, possibly. Right. Um, and you would go in to these boardrooms and it really felt like this is the heart of the evil empire. This is where the decisions that are going to ruin the lives of small countries around the world are actually made. Mm -hmm. And these guys need to not have anything disruptive because, you know, the fate of nations depends on their choices and, you know, more important, you know, corporations. Yeah. So I was kind of like... I'm not sure I like even contributing to this by delivering Danishes, but I need the job. And so I'm going to, you know, put my head down and just do this. So the day goes fine. And I have, you know, debating with myself about the ethics of, of participating in it. And the last thing I need to do that day before I'm, I'm almost done. And the guy, the, my boss says, um, I need you to take this uh, tray of Danishes and tea and coffee down to this one boardroom. And they had multiple Floors, so you had to take the elevator down three floors, walk through a lobby to another bank of elevators, and go down to some other floors. Um, and I didn't know that there was an option to put stuff on the cart. I just was handed this tray, and so I just <laughs> oh, no. took it. So it's pretty heavy when I pick it up, but you know I don't think anything about it. But as time is going on, it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. We finally, I get off the elevator and I'm going around through the lobby, yeah, no. which turns out to be the only lobby that isn't carpeted, that has like a hardwood oh, floor. Oh, no. And I just take one misstep and the tray starts to go and the coffee and tea things hit the wall <gasps> and there's spill in this kind of, you know, artistic <laughs> uh, arc all down the wall. And it makes this huge crash and everything, you know, collapses. And all of the secretaries and sub-sub-secretaries all, like, poke their heads out of their cubicles looking at this, you know, long-haired guy <laughs> swimming in his, his uniform. Oh, no. And they're all looking at me like, you are so fucked, buddy. <laughs> like, this is just like... And... And... <laughs> and Oh, and the and the secretary the on the floor, the uh, the receptionist says, um, uh, "I said I turned to her, I said, um, what should I do? Meaning like should I clean this up or what?" And she, and she said, "Oh, I think you should get them their coffee." So like, okay. So I would go back up and I tell my boss what happened. And and to his credit, he just said his first reaction was like, "Are you okay? Did you burn yourself? Are you all right?" And I said, "Unlike no, I'm, me, I'm fine. when Josh gets in <laughs> fender benders." <laughs> yeah, and. Um, and I said, right. yeah, I'm fine. And he said, okay, well, here, you know, use the cart to take it down. So I go back down, and the maintenance people are cleaning it up. And um, and you would think that I had slaughtered a child in the lobby. The reaction, the you know, the appalled responses on people's faces. And as I'm walking by all of these subsecretaries, they're all looking at me with disdain like, and, <laughs> and condemnation. And I'm just really trying not to laugh because right. it's just so, so ridiculous. I really wonder if those ladies have any idea of who you are now. And men. And men. Like, um, isn't that funny? Like, remember that guy that made that huge mess? <laughs> yeah, won- he won a Tony last Cause, night. Because <laughs> it does seem like it was the kind of thing that never happened there and, right. you know, probably so from, was memorable. It couldn't have happened to a better group of people. From an well a- done, Michael. From an actor's perspective, you, you were probably like, oh, I can do comedy. I didn't realize. <laughs> Who knew? Who, all this drama training. But uh, in seriousness, did that, because I'm thinking the whole time you're telling this story and just the ridiculousness of it. And that's something that Brianna and I talk about sometimes, maybe why we just find ourselves in these situations all the time. We get into these jobs and we're like, this is, just, I cannot smoke this, drink this Kool-Aid. I just can't. Ethics. Ridiculous. Ethics is my problem. Do you, do you ever reflect back on that and the ridiculousness of that? Or just to, as a learning lesson for yourself to be like, I'm not going to do that kind of work. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, I felt, I felt weird enough about it already, but I also felt like embarrassed that I had, you know, spilled stuff and made such a mess. And, you know, so I did feel bad for not doing my job better. But you didn't burn anyone. But I didn't burn anyone. Well, and then, so, you know, I went home and the next day I thought about it overnight and I thought, you know, 
this job's not for me. I can't, right. that environment, it's just not cool. That And so I called in in the morning and said, I'm, I'm not going to come in today, today. And the boss said, yeah, that's probably just as well because that, that part of the wallpaper you spilled on was linen wallpaper that's like <laughs> 5000 you know, oh in, in today's dollars, like 10 right. grand per right. panel. So, you know, oh probably just goodness. as well you don't come back. Well, who and the hell needs that kind of wallpaper? That was my I mean, thought. It's like, I don't want to work for a place. What nation gonna did you pay. kill for exactly. that wallpaper? That was my no. feeling. So, But I do, you know, I do think about that and have thought about that in times since then. Like, do I, you know, I need to consider what it is that I'm a part of, you know, serving. Right. Well, I interviewed once, I'm going to tell a quick story, for a nonprofit that I really, really wanted to work for. And during the interview, the guy said to me, you're going to have to go down and have breakfast with guys on Wall Street, and they're going to be totally in, un, uh, inappropriate with you, and you're just going to have to tolerate it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, do you know me? Yeah. Could you imagine, Josh? Yeah. Like, there'd be no way. <laughs> I, if I was your rep that day, I would have been like, uh, we're going to have to go with another offer. She's out. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm taking her out. But it was heartbreaking because literally, and I'll tell you off the mic what, which one it was, I, I really was passionate about working for this organization, and I was just like, I can't. There's no way. I have the, the older I get, the harder it is for me to swallow the bullshit. I just can't. I can't do it. Yeah. Well. But, it, I, also, but I, I also have learned to to be more, um, uh, you know, look at my assumptions about what's bullshit and what's not too, and, and kind of get over some of my, you know, presumptions sometimes too. Get your ass out, your own ass out of the way. Yeah, totally. Okay. No, that's good advice. Actually. That's good advice. So in, in your journey of, you know, coming to New York and getting these great Broadway opportunities and just keep getting nominated, which by the way, so fucking cool. I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, look, you know, win or no win, to sit there and say that the work that I'm doing is being appreciated by the, my community and my peers. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of actors, or comedians, would rather that than I mean, necessarily like the, the millions of dollars, which is also like just completely arbitrary. You know, like yeah. to sit there and say that my my community appreciates me and thinks what I'm doing is great. I feel like is the greatest compliment you can get. It it really is true, and that you know when people say you know it's an honor just to be nominated. It's a cliche, but it's absolutely true. And it's because of exactly what you're saying that it's, I think everybody feels like they just want to be acknowledged for what they're doing, mm-hmm. not celebrated, not like, you know, uh, carried down the street, you know, yeah. in a parade, just like somebody going, hey, man, I saw what you did. Like, yeah. And that can be like, I read your report about this thing. You know, I can tell you took a lot of time to do it, and I really appreciate it. It goes well a long done. way. Yeah, and it Michael, these are actual way. conversations in corporate America where you have to tell people that they should do this. Yeah, Like, sure. you know what you should do? You should send your junior staff a note just yeah. letting them know that they did a good job. Like, things that just seem, like seem really obvious. obvious, but aren't yeah. always. So talk a little bit on... Your uh, kind of, you, you know, you kind of joked about it before, like, oh, this is the last job I'm going to get. And then another right. one comes. Like, talk a little bit about that and at what it is, you know, because from the outside, you're a successful actor. But from the inside, you know, maybe I don't know. How do you look at it? And, and talk us through maybe some of that mental, you know, strength you need to have. Well, I think it's, you know, when with most stuff, if you're looking at the destination then you're spending all of your time looking at how far you are from wherever you think that is. And if you're, you know, if your focus is on where am I standing today, you know, can I take a step in a direction whether I even know where I'm going or not, but can I just take a step today so I'm a little in a different place tomorrow than I am right now, you know, great and what will that step be and you know and it could take me in all kinds of different directions too mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but at least i won't be spending more time looking at how far i am from something right. than than you know where i can get to today and in your journey so when you were nominated the first three times okay. <laughs> or whatever what did that mean for your career like do you still have to audition or is it kind of like we want you for this role um, well, now, at, at this point now with stage things, it's 
more often, you know, a, either a, an offer or a, an invitation to sit down with a director and, and discuss uh, a part. And, you know, they may be having that conversation with several different actors, but but there's a kind of assumption that, you know, we know your abilities, we know your work, and, you know, we uh, we know that you could play it, and we just need to choose which of the people that we think could play it we want to play it for us um or other times it's just like we know we would like you to do this and if you know if you want to then great um that's the the times that that wouldn't be true would be maybe a director who is not from america hasn't seen me do stuff before you know or if it's a role that nobody has seen me do anything like it before so they might want some kind of uh more certain feeling that i could actually do that particular thing um and then it gets tricky and it you know becomes like a weird uh status thing you know it's like oh you know he's he's offer only is you know is how it's described and and sometimes Sometimes I might even say, you know what, I would like to go in for this person because I think they probably think that I'm, you know, not the right person for it. And I would like to be. So I'd like to, you know, to prove to them that I am. Um, but with television and film, I am like right back there, you know, kind of with everybody, uh, you know, groveling for a job, which is my Do definition of acting. Cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, going, putting myself on tape and sending it in and, you know. I hate the on tape. Stuff. Well, I hate it. I'm like 50-50 cuz part of me feels like I get to send the take that right. I like. But that means that I spend 5,000 hours on an audition <laughs> and then watching myself be <laughs> shitty in like <laughs> but 99% a st- of them and then the one I'm like, "Okay, I don't hate this entirely. Right. I'll send this one." It, but it's like choosing a headshot. You choose a yeah. headshot that everyone else is like no I hate that headshot yeah. like don't you as a stage actor too because I love being on stage to me like put me in the moment rehearsing is one thing put me in the moment yeah. like if I know I'm walking into that audition I've been rehearsing all day I got my lines down yeah. action let me do what I'm gonna do yeah. and to and me then, I'd almost ra- I would rather do that than work with the lighting and then the yeah. reader messed up and well the, yeah and then you also awesome. you also have the chance for them to go great you know, but they're the ones who are talking to the director or they are the director and they know what they want right. or they see something in what you did, but they want to, you know, see a little more of this. Right. Otherwise, you're right. You are just like rolling the dice and you're going, OK, this is my guess <laughs> with no help from you about what it is you want. Right. Um, and I and I also feel like a lot of my uh, I feel like being in the room is important in some intangible way to just to like get a sense of the person that you are because otherwise it's it feels entirely just about whether you've guessed accurately and happen to have the right face for whatever it is right. they're imagining right whereas if you're in the room i think you can leave the room and and the conversation can be you know i i feel like he was kind of right you know, but, you know, I think, it, you know, there wasn't this thing exactly, but I just got a good vibe from, you know, and I think either we'd like to bring him back in and ask him to right. to try something else. Or I feel like I because at the end of the day, I think the smart directors and people, uh, John Doyle, who directed Sweeney Todd, is definitely like this. He he just wants to have people in the room that he wants to be in the room with. Right. And he'll make something with those people yeah um it was the same thing i did a tour playing guitar for bob mold um who's this uh you know punk rock indie rock alternative rock icon um and you know we had met and i had he, he played he'd sat in with my band once and so he you know he had heard me play guitar a little bit but he we'd been friends for a while and he asked me at one point if i wanted to to tour with him and just play guitar on this tour and I'd never done anything like that before and I said well don't do you want me to like audition I mean I'd be happy right. to play and he said my songs aren't rocket science like I, I know you play well enough to play these songs and frankly at this point in my career he'd had Husker Du and he'd had Sugar and he'd you know toured the world with these bands and he's like at this point I just want to be with f- you know Friends. four guys right. that I can be in a car with nine hours a day because that's what 
my that's right. what the job actually is right. not the not the hour and a half on stage it's the other stuff well and we always talk about how working with good people makes such a difference in the job yeah. itself people you trust people that trust right. you but back to what you said though about um it's different when you go for roles in tv and movies yeah. because i think about that a lot i and it, it's funny because Unless you're really familiar with Broadway, you don't recognize the faces that those of us who are really familiar right. do. So when I'm watching a Law and Order, and I'm like, "Holy yeah. shit, that that's you yeah. know who I, you know Michael from right. you know Tommy criminal, or criminal whatever." Intent. They yeah. actually use a lot of Broadway. Yeah, yeah. no, but yeah. I'm saying like yeah. you're like why is he playing a dead body? <laughs> or why is he not like doing something more? Because you know, it's just. It's, Frankly, I don't I don't really understand how anybody develops any kind of ego because there are so many opportunities to have it just like whittled away <laughs> at yeah. every turn. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm very much aware where I am in the food chain in, you know, television and film and, um, and where I am in stage and also aware that, you know, those things, it's not a one way ladder either. Like, you know, you're as, as big as your last thing and there's, if there's been time in between, then, you know, other people move up and move down. And that's why... Do you think focusing. it helps to be conscious of, of where you are in any of these jobs, not just performance? I think, I think it helps you keep your ego in check and keep your focus on the important things to occasionally uh, be reminded of, uh, you know, the way it is. Um, I see people all the time who struggle, and I have absolutely in time and probably will again at some point, right. you know, been f be frustrated about, you know, uh, last year I was at this party and, like, I didn't have to wait to come in at all. And, you know, this right. year I'm not on the list and I'm <laughs> not probably not even getting in. And, right. you know, I've seen people, um, I mean, I don't go to parties really, but I've seen that kind of thing happen where you realize that you know one month is one thing and one's another right. but i think i think that's an opportunity to go i'm focusing on the wrong thing and i'm caring about the wrong part of the business and i'm looking for validation and self-worth and all of that in entirely the wrong places, places. Yeah. and i need to focus on the stuff that actually matters. You have a, um, I don't for those of you not watching uh, the video, which is on YouTube, uh, where, you know, it'll be posted up there. You have a um, really relaxed, uh, easygoing demeanor. Your voice is low. Malik was like that too. Mm -hmm. You know, he just had this way of just kind of, you know, is that, is that you or is that something that you kind of learn to settle into yourself as? I feel like I'm a pretty high strung guy. I get really, you know, I'm all over, but I'm comfortable right. doing that, you know? Right. How important is that kind of like easy, easygoing, you know, I think be the tortoise kind of thing? I, I think that was what I grew up with. I think I, I had an example of it in my dad who I think uh, I heard him raise his voice a handful of times, maybe ever. Yeah. And, and in fact, the fact that he was so kind of, you know, even tempered and stuff, all he had to do was like raise his voice a little or get a little bit of an edge in his voice. And you were like, I, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm stopping doing that now. Right. Um, so, and I, I've seen, you know, family movies uh, of me as a kid. And I'm, you know, my, I'm the serious, quiet, you know, thoughtful, you know, perhaps <laughs> depressed child. Um, I wasn't depressed as a right. child, but, um, but you know, I, yeah, that's, that's always kind of been my thing. And it's funny because it often is, is masking great anxiety and, and huge amounts of discomfort, especially in like big social situations sure. and stuff. Um, that's interesting. Cause it comes through in, in your roles that I've seen, you, you have this like um, this presence, this control of the moment, you know, and like a calmness. But what you say about the anxiety, that's interesting. And I'm just, I'm the opposite. I have that same anxiety. So my anxiety comes out with like, fill the room, right. be bigger than the room, be talk to everyone in the room. And right. that settles my social where I, I see 
people, friends like you who are like, I'm going to just be me and cool and chill. And I almost, in a way, it's like my protective nature of like, okay, I see that. So I'll be here and I'll right. take attention, right? So that other people can just be comfortable and cool. But it's uh-huh. also dealing with my own right. anxiety it, about being yeah. there. Yeah, I, I, that makes total sense mm-hmm. to me. And why you are in comedy. Yeah. You well, know? that's, I, mean, that, I was that saying, comedy. I was saying earlier, like stand up to me is the single most terrifying thing any individual could ever <laughs> do. It really is. You know, I can't imagine. And it was interesting because when I did Hedvig, um, yeah. because it is, you know, in some ways a one person show, even though, you know, there's the band yeah, there and, right. and the Yitzhak character and it's scripted. Right. But a lot of it also is improv and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of built in room for that. And, um, and we did, when I was first doing it, we did um, a show, a New Year's Eve show with uh, Boy George and Culture Club at Radio City Music Hall. Oh, wow. And wow. Hedwig, the Hedwig Band opened for Boy George and, and Culture Club. So everybody there was there for this 80s flashback weekend thing. And we were this, you know, it wasn't super well known at the time. It was known downtown, but not on that scale. Right. And um, so we were this weird cross-dressing punk you know, band that most of the people there had no idea who we were, didn't know any of the songs. And, um, and we had hecklers and one of the great things about the acoustics in radio city is you can hear what they're saying. to you. Oh, that's funny. And I would have shriveled up and died if it was me and my band or me as me, but with the protective armor of Hedvig and her, you know, her attitude and, and then the literal, you know, the costume, uh, uh, armaments I was like had witty comebacks and right. and it takes over it took over and I thought this must be what it feels like for people who are able to do this as themselves as a stand up and you know it's incredibly powerful I still know that I couldn't do it myself but it was amazing to have an insight for a second into mm-hmm. how that must be well I want to have to we have to get to our game right, right but there. we have to talk about Marvel because this oh, man yes! is part of the Marvel is, universe we did the Marvel yeah. Box. Yeah. This yes. is why. Wait, before why more. Okay, so we have two quick things, but give me a quick answer to yeah. this. Um, you know, pursuing your dream, any dream, anybody out there following whatever dream that is, and everybody's uh, answer to this is probably different, but what is one or many sacrifices that maybe you had to make uh, to pursue this for as long as you have and find these successes? Um, well, I think, <clears throat> I think in, in, my business, the sacrifice has been um, in a, a social life and a personal life. You know, it's not not being able to say I will be at, you know, my family's birthday parties right. or my, you know, my girlfriend's important events or, um, you know, just and, and the hardest thing is, is your, you know, your partner or your family accepting that, well, you know, he's just not necessarily going to be there and that's that really hurts that it's wonderful and lovely that they let you they give you that latitude but it almost makes you feel worse that you know yeah they okay. accept that they can't count on you to be right. places all the time but the focus that you do and the the dedication is part of the success i mean you have to yeah I mean, I like. I think I've said it on the podcast before. I had friends in finance who I was going to say, yeah, they would. Right. You didn't see them Lawyers, for ten years. Where are you guys? And guess what? Of, they're yeah. on their yacht right now because yeah. they busted their ass for. Yeah, but right. they also years. missed their children's they early did. years. Or you know, you know, but soldiers, you know, yeah. who leave. Yeah, the those videos for, kill you know, me. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. don't get me started. So anyway, Marvel, Marvel Universe. Yes. So, you know, he's got the T and E God. I told him they need to rename it and add an M to it. Me God or E God M. Because Marvel Universe needs to be a part of it. Okay. You know I don't what know an what EGOT you're is? About, but you don't okay. know what an EGOT is? You can't EGOT? be an a- EGOT. Are you an actor? Grammy, uh, Oscar, Oscar, Tony. Can I just get a J-O-B? How about <laughs> yeah, that? I'll right? put the B okay. J-O-B well, actor. He's got the T in EGOT. About? <laughs> and now an M for Marvel Universe. Marvel. And I kind of have Ant-Man a G. Ant-Man in the Watch. Wa- you have Bowie, a G? Both. Wait, you have a Grammy? Yeah. I, would, I mean, now when when cast recordings, like when a, a Grammy, the the principal singers on him get their own Grammy statues oh, um, back, back in the day. So he's got a G and a so, T yeah. and an M. Cool. Okay. So well, talk we, to us about Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got to, I got to be uh, in the Ant-Man and the Wasp. I played uh, um, 
Edward Starr, who uh, readers of the Marvel comics will know, becomes Egghead um, later. We'll see if that did, actually happens that, to me or not. Was that something that was discussed? Like, listen, you're going to do this movie, but and maybe you can't say no, this. No, man, but they don't. They, they don't, don't tell you. you. They didn't even tell me what my role was until I got there. Stop. Wait, so you did get hired for, you you didn't audition or anything? They were just like, we're that No, that one, because I had been auditioning for, um, oh, who's, uh, Thanos's, um, the the, sidekick? The the Black Order? Yeah, like the, The four bad guys? No, it was, I can't remember which, what character it was, but, um, He's the kind of skeletal looking yeah. Yeah. guy. One of the Black Order. Yeah. yeah. And he was um he was gonna be a motion capture thing, oh, you know, okay. and it was just gonna be animated on you and, and they kept saying over and I auditioned for it a number of times and they kept saying, No, you understand, like it won't be your face, it'll be your voice, but it won't be right. your face, but it will be your movements. Um, you know, do you have a problem with that? Which I guess for some actors, you know, they're like yeah. No, I want it to look like me, kind of, or right. want it to be recognizable as me. And I was like, that sounds awesome. That sounds like <laughs> the coolest job ever. So I went a long ways down the road with that. And in the end, um, it didn't get the job. But I guess I'd been, you know, in front of them enough that when they were casting this thing, they're like, we've seen enough of him already. We'll just offer him this job. But neither my agents nor me were told what the character was. It's just like, you have a part, it'll work these days. You'll go. You here's know, what you need to know. Here's, so did you know it was Ant-Man and Wasp at least? I knew it was Ant-Man and Wasp. <laughs> okay. But I didn't know what character it was. But it was funny because my agents then started like digging through Marvel archives and stuff and trying to figure <laughs> out like what character could it be. We got the Silver Surfer here. <laughs> <laughs> He's there. Well, he was saying earlier, Josh, before you arrived, uh-huh. that when he was there to film, they were also filming Infinity War. Right. So Paul Rudd would be running between sets. Oh my on gosh. Both yeah, Josh, you missed a whole Marvel cool? conversation. I mean, I'm sure he's cool. I hear yeah, he's, he's, cool. he's the best. Like, he's really, really great. And guy. was that? Were you a nerd growing up? Were you a comic book nerd? At oh all? yeah, I, and I was. I was totally a Marvel guy. Even though, I mean, I I'm also proud that I have a foot in the DC world. Also with uh, Gotham. Oh right, right. The TV show. Listen, I got it. Oh, which is an epic role as well. I, I have to say, not that I had anything to do with this. I didn't. I'm just whatever. But like after the Dark Knight Rises came out, Mm -hmm. I was like, everyone was so hot on what this property's done now. What are we gonna do? It was like so popular before. Really, the Marvel stuff really started picking up. And I was like, you know what they need to do? And I had this whole like diatribe. They need to take all the villains and they need to create the villains as the main characters. And you just have like Jim Gordon before. I literally plotted out that whole thing. And then someone's like, you should write. That down. I'm like, I'm not writing it down, like whatever. And then, like a year later, it came out. I was like, I should have wrote that. I should have wrote that down. <laughs> that was cool too, though. Good job. Yeah. Good job on that. Good well. job. I really, but I was, but <laughs> well I was a done. Marvel. I was a Marvel kid growing yeah. up. I was a Spider-Man yeah. kid. You know, big time. That's just cool. Well, I mean, it's just got to be. That's oh, a little mini little checkbox. It's, it's not a, a mini. Huge that's huge. Yeah. No, but in your no, brain, you're like, I'm not Ant-Man, but I'm like. In this, like, I don't care who. Look, if I was an extra in a Marvel, in a Marvel movie, I would have died on screen. My my friend got killed in the the, the, (laughs) Daredevil thing. I was like, you're the coolest person ever. My biggest thrill was the knowledge that Stan Lee approved because he like had to sign off on everything. Somebody, you know, at some point said, you know, held up a picture of me or something and said, this guy, and he was like, yeah, Yeah, and he saw, you know, he was around still when when it came out. So he would have seen this episode. We have a Marvel actor (laughs) on the show today. Well, and he said his character's not necessarily dead. So I mean, yeah, not in the the comics. He would. I mean, look, if you look at Endgame, if you saw Endgame, and whether you're not, I'm not spoiling anything. I mean, there are the scenes towards the end where like everybody's on screen. Like, if they're able to do that, they have the foresight for that, anything yeah. can happen. Well, so exactly. um, we, I did a partnership um, with Brisk and Black Panther, uh-huh. and I was able to go to the Marvel office to read the script just because oh, they wow. were letting us do that. <gasps> but we had to give everything, like put our purse and our Take phone your underwear off. This. Yeah. But, like, we I like, would have read it naked just on purpose. <laughs> but I think I did it before I was so into I mean, all I do the that Marvel. Anyway. Yeah, right. But I did it before I was so into all the Marvel movies. Right. And I remember I was in the room and Thor's hammer was in there. And at the time it was like all right but now i'm like damn it the, uh, the guy that's it. here for mini hulk is reading the script butt naked <laughs> is that a problem not just leave him alone and give it down oh my god well thank you michael so much we normally do a game uh-huh. but because i was worried we wouldn't have enough time to ask you everything we wanted to ask you i just do a quick q a with okay. you 
Um, and I based it on the quote that you are arguably, arguably, <laughs> arguably one of the most versatile leading men on Broadway. And, and that was argue. a playbill, I think, said I that. Think, I think that's right. Which, which Michael wrote because we write our own bios. <laughs> <laughs> you ever, anyway. you ever yeah, have I to didn't. do that? When they, especially earlier in your career? Like uh, oh, yeah, before, writing your own bios. And you're yeah. writing your own in the third person. <laughs> yeah. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Cerberus is a multi... <laughs> <laughs> multi arguably multi talent. Okay. First question. Your favorite Broadway role to date? That, that I've played? Yes. Um... Probably Bruce in Fun Home. I mean, it's a little bit sort of always the last one you did, but I think that you know that that meant so much to me on every level—creative, artistic, social, political, cool. everything. Yeah. What about your most difficult role? Um, I guess probably playing uh, George Balanchine in uh, Nikolai and the Others at Lincoln Center because. Um, I had met him. My sister was one of the last ballerinas that he took into the company. And I knew a lot of dancers who had actually known him who were going to be seeing the show. So I felt a huge responsibility. Uh, What about um, favorite film role, TV role? Um, um, I really enjoyed playing Professor Pig. That was probably like the most fun I had doing something because it was just so outrageous. Did they give you a lot of freedom to create that guy? Yeah. I mean, I I really wanted... That was another thing that was really, you know, made me nervous because I knew people had very strong feelings about, as is true of, you know, a lot of uh, comic characters. Um, they have really strong feelings about who that, you know, who that character is and, and right. what's... what's uh, you know what's what it should be like. really yeah. like um yeah. although you know now that i think about it that might not actually it might not be professor big it might be september and fringe maybe because i got to spend so much more time with him and and i'm so proud of that, that quick question show. do you consider yourself quick answer dramatic actor comedic actor do you have a definition dramatic more than comedic okay. definitely go um your dream role I'm so bad at this. I never, because I don't, like I was saying with my career, like I don't dream forward that way. Okay, is there a role that you wish in the past that you... Like a dream role that's already happened. Yeah. Like, oh, I would have loved it. I would have said Sweeney Todd, but I got to do it, so... Look at you. Lucky best. All right, dream co-star. You can't say Josh Hyman. Um, Well, then, like... All right, good. Say Josh Hyman. Josh Hyman. Uh, who's in a Marvel dream? movie. Any, any, <laughs> any partic- of any, any medium. Dream um, uh, well, uh, Ed Harris is one of my favorite actors. Robert Duvall. Okay. Like, and know. I met you both the same night. That's so weird. You met Ed Harris that same night? No, Robert Duvall. Oh, Robert Duvall. I yeah, answered yeah. this question with oh, Danny right, Daniels right. last week, and uh, my wife is still giving me a hard time about that. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. If you weren't an actor, what would you, what would you be doing? Uh... I'd be, I'd be working, uh, maybe on a horse farm, or you know, doing something like carpentry, something. Driving you, a truck underwater. Driving a truck <laughs> on the way, full of dolphins <laughs> on were the there, way. Were there a lot to of horses in uh, West Virginia? Um, no, no, I didn't. I only recently kind of. Um, discovered horses yeah. i was working when i was in pittsburgh working on mindhunter i started volunteering at this uh horse farm that does equine therapy that wow. work, uses horses to work with uh kids and veterans and um and it's just the most incredible thing and horses are just amazing animals and i just took such delight in i said to them you know i'd like to learn i don't really know much about horses i'd like to learn from the ground up and they're like okay here's a shovel right oh, and, no you said I, not the back <laughs> the ground but it was i looked forward to getting up at seven in the morning going and literally shoveling shit for right. you know a couple hours but had such a f- sense of accomplishment at the end of that and right. and then you know the next day i would go work on mind hunter for the day and <laughs> play an fbi guy and work with david i bet Venture your mind's wow. a little there though it's keeping you calm right it totally it's like, was. You know, yes. back, no. absolutely yeah. i grew up around horses i didn't have any oh, but you? like in camps and just neighborhood where i grew up there were horses around so in your mind you're like okay these are just they're there there they are right, right? and then uh, fast forward what 25 30 years and then i'm at my sister's wedding and they had this gigantic 
authentic, like the horse that from the Budweiser commercials oh, type wow, horses. Clydesdale. And I'm standing in Clydesdale, and I'm standing there with my son in my arm looking, and I'm like, this is a gigantic animal. This mm-hmm. isn't, oh, a horse in the book. They're yeah. huge, massive animals. So yeah. for them to be like pretty docile for the most part, you know, and then to yeah. be able to touch, it's like, it blew my mind. I was like, it just really blew my mind. Well, and Michael, shoveling shit is pretty much a metaphor for what for most of us do. Which is where the Jobs <laughs> Glow podcast was exactly. born out of. Yeah. Shoveling shit. And on exactly. that note, on that thank note. you. Real quick, where do you see yourself in five years? Quick answer. Oh. HR question you might not have ever This got. man does not do quick. Do an, do, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. That's why I can't do comedy. <laughs> I, I, the, in the same place, just a little further down the road, I think. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much. Do you want to share your social handles? We will, but I just want to say thank you for for patient. We had a little delay today for hanging out, for telling us your story, for hopefully inspiring other people in their pursuit of their dreams and kind of just hearing what goes into the journey and, you know, the goods, bads, the ups and downs. Yeah. I um, just want to thank you for responding to my tweet <laughs> and coming here. Debbie Gibson, will you just hello? respond? Just I come mean, on the Jobs Blow podcast. I No, seriously, Michael, I don't know what it is you're a fabulous human being, so thank you thank so you. much. Oh, thank what you. are your social media handles or um, where we can find uh, you? Instagram is at uh, Michael Cerverus. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm, I don't use Twitter much anymore, really. Yeah. But, um, but he did too. <laughs> but, um, and Cerverus and is C-E-R-V-E-R-I-S. Right. And my band is Loose Cattle. Okay. Loose Cattle what kind of music band. is that? Um, Americana, okay. um, you know. Jack's going to open for him. You know what's great, too, about doing that is, like, it allows fans, I think, to be, uh, to follow you for different reasons. Like, here he is on Broadway, and I can get to watch him in Mindhunter or some other show, and here's his album I can take with me. I think that's a, it's both your art, but it's also commercially, you know, you're giving them things to latch on to yeah, and some, follow you. Sometimes I feel like if I had just like stuck with one thing and like mined that completely, maybe I would have gotten further in one area, but I just am interested in too many different right. things. Further so. in one. You have two Tonys. <laughs> hey, the guy's trying it. to open a horse farm. I know. Him alone? Lou. Okay. With the dolphins. All right. That? One dolphin in a tank <laughs> yeah. just swimming back and forth and the horse is going like this. I don't know why he's I, here. I, I don't know why he's here. I can't work with this. All right. Well, thank you again. Again, we're at Jobs Blow Podcast, uh, at Jobs Blow. Yeah, Jobs Blow.com. At Jobs Blow Podcast everywhere. Um, at Mr. Josh Hyman, M-R-J-O-S-H-H-Y-M-A-N. And you are? At Brie Haas She hates telling people that. But hey, if you like the show, if you like the podcast, if you have questions, please just like, tweet, review us, share with your friends, listen word of mouth. That's the way this gets out. So really appreciate it. If you're in, the, if you're in a mental institution, just scream out, ah! That'd be really awesome. Um, but just anywhere, please talk to people and uh, follow Michael as well. And he's got a lot of projects coming up, and it's uh, very exciting. So thanks again. Yes, everybody watch sure. Mindhunter season Mine Hunter. two. Yeah. And uh, Jack, do you have anything to add? No. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Jack. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye. And I'd rather die than work nine to five. And I'm too fly for my suit and tie. And I'd rather die than work nine to five. And that's why I don't want to go to work. I just want to chill and play all day. Look them dead in the face and say, I wish I could just be still asleep while you work.